I think there's a huge need for people to take back their life because ultimately there's tremendous amount of people going to a nine to five job that hate it and are giving away their best life and their best years to someone else. I'm Michelle Edwards. I'm the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives, and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own, about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer. Words. Words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? Jason, hi. (laughs) Uh, would you like to tell us where you're from I'm from Joseph Oregon in the United States great and what is your ending my ending was living in the city and Mm -hmm. uh, I've had several endings in my life but uh, I lived in Portland Oregon which you may have seen in the news lately as a very rogue city (laughs) And uh, I have small children and I own my house. And in Portland, Oregon, uh, housing prices are really skyrocketing. And my wife and I had a dream that in the next 10 years, we would find a rural community, build uh, our own home. And uh, we ended up doing it last year rather than 10 years from now. And so we put our house on the market. We had five bids within 24 hours uh, to buy it. We sold it for a great rate. And we started looking uh, at all the small towns in in Oregon, all the rural communities. And we had a list. We wanted uh, a library, coffee shop, a gym, and a post office. And... We ended up in Joseph, Oregon, which we love. It's beautiful here. So we've been here uh, about six months and every day is a new dream. What, what attracted you to the rural life over the city life? 
you know, part of the reason I moved to Portland, Oregon is that you can go hiking uh, probably a thousand hikes within a 25 mile radius. And I grew up in, in the country in, in uh, Michigan for several years. When I was young, we lived on 30 acres of land. And, and then we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, and I was squished in between houses. And, and uh, I didn't realize until I made it back to the country how much I've missed living in the country. Mm. They're, the people, it's just, everyone's kind. No one's in a hurry. Where I live, like I went to the gas station the other day and he took my credit card and ran it in the machine. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. So a lot of businesses out where I live don't have websites. Interesting. And I, I totally know what you mean. I come from the country myself in country New South Wales a long time ago. Um, and it's just, it's a completely different community. You know, even if you don't know somebody, you would still say hello or, you know, wave if you were going past somebody in the street and when you come to Sydney and um, people don't even make eye contact. It's really, it's strange and it's hard to meet people um, because people, I mean, they, they don't talk to each other and it's such a shame because they're all so lovely. People are really, really beautiful, but um, it's, we just never really give ourselves the opportunity to connect with one another as much as people in the country do. Yeah, I think there's a there's a slower pace. There definitely is uh, an opportunity to meet your neighbor and have your neighbor have your back. And there's also this real threat of uh, it's not us and them on party lines. It's we're a community and we think differently, but we're together on being in the same town. Mm. Now, back to life in the city. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us about your lifestyle and what about it um, you couldn't wait to change. Well, we had a beautiful house, but it was on a bike path. And the bike path started getting overrun by tents of houseless people, homeless people. And in the beginning, I really had a, a open heart of people of all walks of life fall on rough times. That happens. But then I noticed that uh, the amount of trash that was being left out. And then I noticed the amount of theft that was happening in the neighborhood. And I went to a board meeting and I tried to get engaged and politically the people in charge that can make a real difference would say one thing and then do another. And so they would promise things that they didn't keep. And then where this patch of bike path was, uh, it was the Department of Transportation owned it, not the city of Portland. And so all of a sudden a blame game of that's your responsibility, no, it's your responsibility. And so I, I just, one, for the safety of my children, cause they're young. And two, uh, the road rage and the 
left and the right really arguing with each other. I needed, I needed more space and I needed a place where uh, there wasn't so many problems that big, big cities have. Yeah. I didn't run away. Like I tried to get engaged and involved, but I, I really had a sour taste in my mouth after false promises were made. Mm. I, when, when you talk about the sense of community being a big difference between city life and country life, this is a, a great example of that. So, you know, it's not where a community lets help each other out. You really separate it to the people who are, you know, really less fortunate and those who are fortunate and I'm sorry that that this has happened to them but also this is their own path in life so um you know we're going to do our best to avoid them rather than band together and help each other out yeah I, I think that it's a real problem and it doesn't seem like anyone has some good solutions or I did hear some good solutions but then the government didn't get behind it. So uh, it's an interesting dilemma. And it's, I don't know about uh, Australia or your part of the world, but it's running rampant on the West Coast of the United States, LA, Seattle, Portland. Yeah, I, um, I do think, and I have heard about the amount of homelessness there, and it's really unfortunate. And I'm sure to give them credit, the government probably finds a really overwhelming problem to find solutions for. But yeah, I think in Australia, we're fortunate in many ways that our government really takes care of us. Right. Um, so Socialized healthcare is, is there in all parts of the country and the world, except the US. It, it's incredible the differences that the way the government runs and I love America my goodness I love it but also I see that um you know we get free health care which is right. when right. we see people on the internet in America who have to start GoFundMe pages just so they can get life or death surgery it really breaks my heart the, the costs of medical care in America is unbelievable and it's outrageous you, you can understand why people do end up down and out if you know they get a little bit sick and they have to drain their bank account and lose everything just to stay alive yeah the number one cause of bankruptcy in the united states is medical care medical bills i mean it's an overwhelming issue and I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can manage it at that point. People manage it differently. My wife's a physician. Mm. And so we went without healthcare for five years where we just didn't pay into the system because we figure if those that pay into the system and, and premiums are really high right now, we're going bankrupt, then why would we give to that system? And, and mm. we just got insurance for the first time in the last five years, this last month. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, at least you'd feel a little bit safer at home knowing that you have a doctor in the family. It's great. We got a suture kit. We've, we've been through a lot in these last five years. <laughs> Gratefully, no broken bones. Life in the country is a little bit more 
hazardous, I'm sure your community would welcome her. Is she working at, yeah. as a physician now? She does. She, she has an online um, uh, clinic where she works with moms. Right. Uh, she's, she's a naturopathic physician. And in the state of Oregon, naturopathic physicians are primary care. Right. I wanted to ask you about this because this is the million dollar question. I'm sure lots of people would love to get out of the rat race, move out of the city and into the country Mm -hmm. where housing is affordable, where lifestyle is better, but how do they work? Um, Lots of people's vocations seem to be tied to an office. I know that's in a lot of industries in a place of transition now, thank, thanks to COVID. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, how do you transition vocationally? It's a great question. And, and we transitioned years ago, about four or five years ago. Um, I'm a business coach that works with wellness providers and she has online telemedicine. And so we just figured we wanted to go remote. And so we've worked in Iceland, we've worked in uh, London, in the UK. And we decided we were going to build our business differently. Like our, our brand is wellness renegades. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's a huge need for people to take back their life because ultimately there's tremendous amount of people going to a nine to five job that hate it and are giving away their best life and their best years to someone else. Yeah. It's so true. And, And so we also are super frugal. So my answer to what you're saying is start small, be patient, have a good idea on a product or a service, and you can grow it. You really can grow it if you want to. There are a tremendous amount of supporters out there for the entrepreneur world. And we're now living in a global economy. So I have clients in Australia, I have clients in the UK, I have clients in Finland and in in Holland. Yeah. And the other reason to do that is I'm not convinced the US's economy is going to be stable in the next 10 years. So it's good to diversify. Yeah. On that on that point, that's a really, really smart move if America's economy goes poorly to be able to also vocationally rely on income from other countries is is an awesome move. Well, I, I'm, my background is as an acupuncturist and I keep my license active. Mm-hmm. So the one thing people need through thick and thin is healthcare. Yeah. And because my wife's a physician and because I'm an acupuncturist, we have lots of different skills and talents, but I'm not a doomsday prepper, but I am prepared. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big difference in that distinction. Yeah, yeah. When you first made that move, to move your career into an online format. I mean, that would have been a really hard thing to figure out in your mind. If you're an acupuncturist, you think, well, how, how the heck can I um, make money when I'm not, you know, popping needles in? And if you can find a way to make that successfully um, move online, then anyone can surely. You just have to think about it creatively, right? Yeah. So most acupuncturists are trained in five disciplines. So acupuncture, massage, food therapy, 
qigong exercise and herbs and so there's a need although you can't stick a needle across zoom you can help people with qigong exercises or mm -hmm. meditation or mindfulness you can help people with food therapy you can help people with uh, education of acupressure and how can they start to learn the acupuncture system and press on points for themselves like you just got to get creative yeah yeah so your tiny house yeah what we haven't like? we haven't talked about that yet i talked about that and i i'm really curious um they look gorgeous and yeah. i want to know what it's like moving a family of four from a normal house to a tiny house don't forget our dog. <laughs> I need a dog. <laughs> uh, I, uh, can we cuss on, on your podcast? Yes, please. I was scared shitless. <laughs> I was so petrified of going from a four bedroom, two bath house uh, with a huge yard and a trampoline in the yard to our footprint in the tiny house is 200 square feet. Uh, on the bottom, and then there's two lofts. And I've loved it. I like, it's completely opposite of everything that I thought about it. And well, what I love about it is you minimize. So you only, you only have what's important to you. Yeah. And uh, for the listeners, or if you're watching, we decided uh, we were going to live in a tiny house for a year and we're building a clinic in our dream house. And uh, so that's where we are. And the tiny house is exceptional because you only have what you need. Mm -hmm. And so imagine cleaning a four bedroom, two bath house, and then imagine cleaning a 200 square foot space. Yeah, And it's really great. And there's, there's some things you need to know. You got to really love your family. And I really love my family. And so being in that tight quarters, um, because we also live in the mountains, uh, if you're going outside, you got to put on all the gear and you got to like, make sure you're prepared to be outdoors. Um, but I've really enjoyed being with my family and having this experience. Um, everything cost less the propane the electricity the water there's just the bills go way 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 down and if you're gonna do it make sure every functional space is used so i'll send you some pictures but the you know the staircases the bookshelf like every shelf is also a stair uh the uh, couch on the bottom floor pulls into a queen size bed. So we can have two more people in there if we wanted overnight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the bathroom's a closet, you know, bathroom, but it has a, a shower and the, it has a heatless water tank. It has a um, gas stove. It, you know, it has everything we need. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, does a tiny home bring a family closer? It's brought my family closer. 
you know, for a couple of reasons. One is, uh, I don't know about other men, but I, uh, before the tiny house, I would escape like to my man cave or to the bedroom or, and there, there's just, there's nowhere to escape to. And, and so I've loved that. I've loved that there's this family time and, and my kids are two and four, uh, that are the younger right now. Um, so it's just great to hang out. Yeah. And you don't feel like you want to escape. I don't, I really thought I was going to, but because we live like we live in what's known as the Swiss Alps of Oregon. And so the scenery out here and being in the middle of nature and having such a small footprint on such vast wide country, it, 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 somehow we've gotten acclimated, like the bigger the house, the more space we have. But if you move to the country, the bigger space you have, your house doesn't need to be that big. Yeah. yeah. And so even as we're building our dream home, we're going much smaller than we thought we would because of our experience in the tiny house. Do you even miss all of the stuff that you had when you were in a normal size home? No, I don't miss like the stuff because it felt like we'd go to Goodwill or some sort of charity shop to drop off all the stuff we were accumulating and it felt overwhelming. Yeah. And in the tiny house, everything has a place. Yeah. Like if it doesn't go back in the place, you know that it's out of order. Yeah. And like you don't have to have a huge kitchen with all of these kitchen cupboards to store literally 10 different appliances when you could just chop something by hand, you could just mix something by hand. You could just boil water in a, on the stove, you know, um, you could, but we have, we have three things that I, I like, and uh, it's weird what you figure out has you have space for. And one is uh, an Instapot. Like what's that? Oh, an Instapot is a big crock pot that you put everything in and then it has a timer and it, it, it um, pressurized. It's a pressure cooker. Yeah. Yeah. But they've mastered it. So it's our microwave. We don't have a microwave. We have a Instapot. The second thing is uh, we have a Vitamix and uh, blender can do pretty much anything. And the third thing is uh, we're still lazy and we have an electric uh, water kettle. So we can make tea, you, you know? So those three things are our primary. And then we have cast iron um, frying pans and we eat really, really well. Like, you know, the one thing that I do miss is we don't have a freezer. So um, when we get the new house, we'll go back to getting like a cow and having a cow in the freezer and, you know, lots of uh, grass fed, homegrown organic mm. yeah i guess a cow would take a lot of freezer space yeah and actually we do have a, a a freezer like the the place that we're building on so that's not true that i said that has a refrigerator in it and we do have some meat in there but i miss like the deep freeze like the big that's the one big thing i miss mm -hmm. and i guess when it comes to kids the your, your kids age would acquire a lot of toys and games and I I would imagine that being there 
your kids would be more inclined to outdoors play? Right now I'm looking at my son out the window and he's playing with a stick <laughs> and a bowl and some dirt. <laughs> and my daughter is walking by with books that she got from the library. Yeah, that's beautiful. And they do spend a lot of time outdoors since the house is tiny. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, it sounds beautiful where you are, by the way. You'll have to um, um, not only share some pictures with me, but I'll, um, I'll link your uh, socials and stuff so the listeners can, can take a look out of curiosity. They should also definitely take a look at the video if they're only listening to the audio on the podcast app because you are wearing the best cowboy hat. <laughs> it's very quintessential um, American cowboy. It's a Stetson. My wife got it for me for Christmas and, and I love it. It's I love it. beautiful. I love it. Thank it's you. very fitting. You can't, you can't um, I guess live where you're living and not have a hat such as yours uh there are a lot of cowboy hats out here there's a lot of cowboys we live in a a rancher community surrounded by an artisan community so it's a great combination yeah that sounds really that would be a really lovely community and what sounds like a beautiful one um do your kids go to school in in the town there are they homeschooled they're homeschooled yeah yeah, was that the plan when when you transitioned into like a, a digital um, life? Was it was it the plan to homeschool your kids? And yeah, I do have some older kids. We co-parent as well, so there has been times where we've been in tight quarters. Um, but my older kids go to public school, which has been a complete shit show with COVID and like the, Not everyone's an online learner. And I'm not sure the school system totally got that. With the youngers, we knew we had homeschool in the beginning. And, and you know, the, the little one will probably start them in another year because the other great benefit of living in the country is the school systems are often way better. So there's national ratings in the U.S. And what, what, where he would go, um, the ratings are really high. Mm-hmm. They um, they must, they must love being out of the city as well. They do. We ask them, and, and they do love it. They love hikes. Um, they both gave themselves tattoos, so they're covered head to toe with markers. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of play. Like you get creative. So Friday night we're having a family talent show, and the youngest is only two, but she gets it. She totally gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what has this transition taught you about yourself? Um, it's a great question. To not wait for the dreams that you really want. If you don't like the life you have, create the one you want. So that's the first thing that it's taught me. Um, The second thing is um, trust yourself. Like a lot of people thought we were crazy, like buying a tiny house, moving to a small town. We'd never been like we we came here two, three times, but we didn't know anyone and uh, follow the signs. So I love uh, whiskey. 
and uh, we drove into town and there's a distillery in town and it's the Stein distillery and my last name Stein. So if you're uncertain of where you're headed, just open your eyes and follow the signs. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really beautiful advice actually. And I think um, people are just scared of change and people are scared generally of the unknown um, and definitely selling your home and moving to a brand new town in a tiny home is unknown, but there is also infinite potential in the unknown. Yeah. And go like, not for everyone, but for me personally, go for the adventure. Mm. Like I've, I've run with the bulls. I've, I've dog sledded. I've swam with dolphins and I've traveled remotely with kids. And for me, this was the next big adventure is get into community. And, and I'll share a story with you that just, I remember when things get tough um, because we, we did have our pipes freeze three times this winter. And when it's, you know, 10 degrees Fahrenheit and your pipes are frozen, you know, you got to figure things out because you live in the country. And so I, I was taking my car to the local mechanic and uh, I told him the pipes had frozen and he pulled out this big canister of propane and it was attached to this big like metal flamethrower. But the tubing on it allowed for the heat to come up, but the flame didn't go out. So it was just a big like blow dryer, basically. And it, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Could I rent that from you? And he looked me in the eye and he stuck out his hand and he said, friends for life. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, coming back to, to what you said about don't wait, I think we just really need to run a highlighter over that because people spend so much time of their life waiting, um, waiting till they're ready or waiting for the situation to be a little bit better, waiting for this, waiting for that. You, you're losing so much. You're missing out on so much just by delaying, right? Yeah, I've had two clients in the last five years that came to me just when they were starting to get ready to leave a position and to create their own thing that they'd been waiting decades to create. And unfortunately, uh, different diagnosis, but they both died. <sighs> and like, don't wait. Like, cause life is going to happen and no one knows when our checkout date is. And yes, it's scary as hell, but there's a big reward for those that are willing to take risks. Yeah. And whatever your dream is, I really invite you to go experience because this could have gone the other way. It could have gone horribly wrong. We, the town boos us out of here and like, the tiny house living was like every day I come home and I hate it. But then I'd know, yeah. like I'd still have the experience. Yeah. I think that the, the challenge with social media and the challenge with living today is that too many people are theoretic, theoretically making up what they think their life should look like rather than really experiencing it and deciding for themselves. I have one final question for you. 
What is your idea of happiness? Oh, um, so I took a, a break um, from my office and I, I, uh, I went home and my son came up to me with uh, a gift box and in it was a story that my wife had illustrated with the words that he and my son and my daughter had told her to write and it was made into a booklet. And like that moment is, is my happiness. Representation of love from your kids. Yeah. Well, just family love from family and like family first for me. Yeah. Like I love what I do for a living and I, I love where I live, but what's most important to me is my family. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to link all of your stuff in the show notes, but do you want to just um, tell people where they can find you? Sure. You can find me at Jason Stein. It's S-T-E-I-N.com. And I have a new site launching because I do have an internal community of healthcare and, and wellness and coaches that are coming together to create life on their own terms. And it's called wellnessrenegades.com. It'll be live by the end of this month. Awesome. I think so many people need to create life on their own terms. And this, when you're talking about science, if anybody was thinking about changing their life in this kind of way, guys, this is the sign. <laughs> Thank you for having me here today. Thank you so much. Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, feel free to drop me an email at m.com 